the name of Jesus. God, you are Jehovah God. You are worthy. Exalt the name of Jesus. And just give you praise today. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to invade this place. Take from me every word that it not fall to the ground and let the seeds of your word go deep into the soil of the readied hearts to receive it. And God, I ask that any hearts not ready, not prepared, that haven't allowed that three-pronged cultivating tool of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit to cultivate their soil, I pray that they would do that. And that every time the words that you speak this morning, that every time it is heard from here on out, that you would use it for your glory and for your purposes in the kingdom. I lift up Greg and Michael in Nigeria right now. And I know they are joining us via technology. God, I pray your mighty hand be upon them and continue to just bring full uh, healing, strength, and rejuvenation upon Cassie's body in the name of Jesus. God, we trust you because you are good. And as we also sang earlier, you are holy. So God, do your will this morning. Drive home your word. Let us all in unison in our hearts say, Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. You want to open our eyes to something. And I love the psalm saying, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, that is our desire. We praise you and thank you in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. Amen. So, if I had to have a title, and it usually is titled in order to separate the YouTube messages, I would say, Lens of the Kingdom, the Real Reality. You know, in Philippians 3.20, it says that we're citizens of heaven, and in the King James, it actually says, let your conversation be in heaven. And we are, this has just been such a recurring thought in my head over and over again, how important it is to have a spiritual lens. We are in the perilous times of the last days. And if you can't see spiritually, if you can't discern spiritually what is happening, there's so much you're going to miss. But at the same time, we're going to be obviously addressing faith and what faith is. We had a wonderful conversation with the women's groups downstairs um, during the, the sensible hour. And there's so much uh, that is really unable to be grasped at all without our faith. We just can't, we can't please the Lord without it. We can't see things. We can't access things without the faith and the trust. And so I want to show you a couple of things this morning that were... Um, that the Lord just gave me this week, and they're found both in the Gospel of John, so you can actually go there if you would, and it's in John chapter 4, first of all, and this is um, a very familiar story, 
But, oh, I, I love it. I don't know about you guys, but I love it when, when God just explodes a whole new revelation and a wow moment um, when I see something in a familiar verse that I've known uh, for so many years, my whole life perhaps, uh, in being brought up in the church and learning Bible stories, which I so, it's such a, a precious treasure of a heritage. But in, in John chapter 4, we see this story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And um, it's interesting, uh, and I'm going to go through this with you. Now, I'm going to be uh, mostly in the King James this morning, actually, and then I'll kind of go back and forth to the, uh, to the New Living Translation. And I realize, for the sake of the screen, the, the New Living has updates. So um, there will be some different wording perhaps in a couple of places if I refer to the New Living. But um, we know that this story um, is that Jesus, uh, he, he went off and um, came through Samaria on the way, eventually came to a Samaritan village uh, near the parcel of ground, and I'm in verse 5 right now, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from a long walk with his disciples, so he sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to drink water. And I was in the New Living. I was going to go ahead and jump back to King James, okay? So just, you'll have to deal with the these and thous and the cometh and the, you know, all that. Um, and so in verse 9, it says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto, unto Jesus, as he knows, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest of me, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus said, give me to drink. Sorry, in verse 7, he, he asked the, this lady for a drink, this woman. And she's so perplexed by that because that did not happen in that time. And he said, she said to him, um, how are you, being a Jew, asking of me, which is a woman of Samaria, for this, for this drink? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, or saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which, has, which gave us this well, the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go back over to the New Living. And again, there may be some different words. So she said, please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here and haul water. And then he starts to get a little real. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while the Samaritans claim that it is here, at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when, you will, when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship. 
while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Sorry, I went back to King King James. (laughs) In that way. For God is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. But when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then this moment of revelation that comes, by the way, when you have conversations with Jesus. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. What an encounter that she had. What an encounter. She was so struck by what he knew that she she knew he couldn't possibly know in the human realm. And we know that story and we know that there's so many takeaways of it. How to worship, what matters, she was pointing out right away in her encounter with Jesus, she was coming from a lens of, which I find interesting, of there's already division. People, some people think you're supposed to do it this way, some people think you're supposed to do it that way. And, and Jesus, you know, he came to just set people straight and said that what's looked for is that you worship in spirit and in truth. Um, One thing that I find so interesting is in verse 27. This was really the thing that hit me this week. She, of course, you know, the the disciples returned, and um, none of them were going to ask why he was, you know, why he was doing or discussing with this woman. But the woman in verse 28, she left her water pot and then went her way into the city. Okay, so here's the deal. Why did this strike me? She, as a Samaritan woman, and a woman in a, a bit of a, of a pickle with her ungodly lifestyle, was not accepted. And many of you, if you watched The Chosen, it happened to be depicted very well in that particular series. So she comes to the well at a different time of the day, much later than when people drew water, so that she could be there alone. Because at the normal time, there would have been many other people. But she came to avoid the crowds because she was an outcast, she was rejected, and that was so well depicted in that, in that series. But here she comes, the season in which they were in, if you look at history, hot, sweaty, thirsty, that's where the water source was, coming to get water, coming to provide for her needs, of which were great, because she had to wait her turn, past all the, you know, dealing with all the stuff that came before her. And yet her encounter with Jesus completely changed her whole perspective. She went there with that important need. And then when she left, she didn't leave with joy plus her water pot full. She left her water pot. Wow. Like, it's, it was such a picture to me that we come to the Lord and all the plans, all the desires, all the things we need, all the things that we have to have to sustain us. Jesus says, if you just seek me, I am all that you need. I really believe, personally, um, that there was a sustenance in the spirit given to where she didn't even recognize her thirst or her need at that point. She was so completely just, just wrapped in his presence and the revelation of 
what he was showing her. And how many of us have encounters, or what we say are encounters, but we go and we just add the conversation with the Lord to what we're doing that we know we need to do because we do live in this earth. We do live in an earthly body, and so we're going to get our water because, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm thirsty. You know, a girl's got a drink. I gotta get my, I'm going to get my stuff. I don't mind talking to you. Great, prophet. Wow, tell me about my life. That's amazing. Thank you, thank you, while she's getting water. And then leaves and says, that was really cool. That was a great conference. It was awesome. I'm going to read more about this guy. No. That's what, that's what the, the body has done. We are in an age of, of a more strongly um, manifested disruption in, in the days in which we live. But you know, Jesus was a great disruptor. He was a huge, huge disruptor. And um, the other story that I wanted to show you that has to do with this disruptor is really in my paper Bible is only two pages over, but go a little further to John 6. I'm going to show you something else. And this one really, again, struck me, another very famous story. And I'm not going to get into the first part of the chapter because that's the whole story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. But what's interesting about this is he's, he goes, he feeds the 5,000, and it is a miracle. There was leftover, 12 baskets left over. And it was, it was so amazing for the people that in verse 14 of chapter 6, when the people saw this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is a prophet. We have been expecting. Okay, so what that told me is these are people that have clearly some sort of religious routine in their life. These were people that were, were already knowing and aware of in their teaching and in their churches that there's a coming Messiah. And so they continue to follow him, and that's what we find um, in uh, verbal, let's even just go to verse, uh, verse 22, because it then gets into Jesus walking on the water. There's that, that little story. But then it says in verse 22, the next morning, back across the lake, the crowds began gathering on the shore, waiting to see Jesus, okay? Because they were drawn by the, this power that he had. For they know, knew that he and the disciples had gone over together and that the disciples had gone off in their boat, leaving him, leaving him behind. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord uh, had blessed the bread and where the people had eaten. Verse 24, when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. When they arrived and found him, okay, this is, they're pursuing him pretty hard. They asked, teacher, how did you get here? And then Jesus, and he has a way of doing this. We oftentimes ask Jesus questions. And what his response is, is I'm going to give you the answer that you need. Because if, if I answer the question you're asking, it's going to lead you down a path that I don't even want you on. He sometimes answers us in a way that it's like, you didn't ask the right question, but... I'll go ahead and give you the right answer. Sometimes he'll change the subject on us because we're concerned about this. And he's like, 
you need to be concerned about this. I've noticed that what children do sometimes too, when there's something that's pressing that has to happen, and they might stop and go, well, I want to sort through my Lego toys. And you're like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's focus on something else. And we get very distracted. So they were really bewildered about this. But then, but then Jesus said, um, he said, the truth is you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you saw the miraculous signs. So he didn't really answer why and how. How did he get there? But you shouldn't, verse 27, but you shouldn't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I, the Son of Man, can give you. For God the Father has sent me for that very purpose. Now, before we go further, the two parallels I want you to see in this story is that right away in their interaction with Jesus, he points them to a realm that they didn't think in. And the mantra verse of ignition is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to be citizens of a realm by faith, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. We are to live our lives in the spirit as believers. To not let our carnal or human man rule and Jesus' entire ministry, and I really believe even before that, just his presence pointed people. When he taught in the synagogues, when he was there 12 years old, he was teaching. We don't know much about that. But when his public ministry started, everything he did was to point people, to get people to, to poke and prod at their human way of thinking and get them to think through a lens of the kingdom, to get them to think that when you say you believe in a coming Messiah, do you even know what you say you believe? Are you, do you even believe that? And so the people, again, these are people that probably were taught in the synagogues by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, already knowing the division there because the Pharisees were, they believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And that was why they were sad, you see. Got that joke. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so the, the, there was already a division in the church. So these people were trained, but then they said, he, they said, so what, what do we have to do? And this is in verse 29, or verse 28. They said unto him, and I'm in King James, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. The reason that struck me so much is because, you know what? Right now, God is disrupting church as usual. People that have been doing the works of God, and they've not seen the power. Some pockets have, praise God. But there's a disruption happening because God is saying, you've gotten so distracted by, by how and when and where you know, and how much you can do the works of God when you've got to get back to the basics and believe. Believe on. And notice in the King James it says, believe on. Believe on. Not believe just in, in terms of an awareness. Amplified puts it um, in, a, in a really interesting way. It says, um, believe, uh, it says, adhere, cleave to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. It is a, because the demons believe and tremble. Believing just in something is one thing, but believing on him in the sense of dependency and faith is really, really, really important. 
And so I've noticed that what's happening is the bride is being so shaken that those that have a spirit lens are being separated from those that have the human lens. And it's really stark right now. It's beginning to be very stark. Because we have social media, we're beginning to see all these things. And if you really look at the definition of faith, and we talked about this downstairs, um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith in the King James, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. That's a mind-boggling verse. There are lots of other translations that um, tell it a little bit deeper. I love the Amplified one. Um, Passion Translation, Brook read uh, for us is great. But it's interesting that faith itself is the evidence. And I think in the New Living it begins, faith is the confidence. So it's like the surety, the sureness, the, the place of an anchor in who you are in Christ is accessed by faith. It's not accessed by works, okay? And, and we're kind of like, yeah, we know that. But what's happening is, because the enemy knows that, what he tries to do is just present all kinds of evidence to the contrary. See, that's easy when there's just a straight line to, I believe that word, and now I go. But what did, what did John say at the very end of the Gospel of John? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. Why? Because the enemy will throw things in our path. Because you know what? You don't know what your faith looks like until it's tested. You want to get in shape? You don't know the strength of your muscles until they are tested. That is the very essence of strengthening a muscle. There is a process. There is the hard things where the muscle fiber is broken down. That's, that's the, the actual weight resistance. The workout is the muscle fibers breaking down. And then there's a cycle of rest. And then you go back and through that rest, there's rebuilding. Then you go back and you do it again with the resistance. And you build. That is a parallel. Those are not just, oh, that's a neat analogy or that's a neat metaphor. Everything in the human realm, the way things work, are a parallel to the spirit realm and the ways of the kingdom with, with really interesting comparisons but no limitations of the human realm. And so often we kind of think that it's just... Like, we, we get confused with the word rest. Rest is just, oh, I'm just going to, it's sedentary. No, rest is an active place of belief. And don't think of belief versus unbelief as belief is active and unbelief is passive. No, unbelief. Unbelief. People that are unwilling to believe in the Spirit of God and how the Holy Spirit works and allowing the Holy Spirit to take over, that is an active place of resistance. That is an active place. And what it really ends up being is a place of trying to flee accountability. It's a place of unwillingness to see your life. And I think sometimes we, and I, I did it too, I, I remember going back and just times when I was just like, hey, you know. I didn't want to come out and say I don't believe, but I didn't really believe. So I, I was deceived into this place of what I thought was a passive unbelief. And it was as much active as my belief. And right now, in God's grace, okay, grace is um, unmerited favor. It's, it's God's, God pouring out his grace on you, is giving you, allowing you things you don't deserve. Now, of course, as I said, I think it was last week, his mercy, on the other hand, is not giving you what you do deserve. 
And both things have been in this age of grace. But right now, where we're at, we just sang the song, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. God's justice is coming. And it is a separation. And you know, we often think about what is the cost of following God. But let me just tell you, what is the cost of not following God with everything you've got? Think about that one for a minute. What is the cost of not choosing God? Are you willing? Are you willing to choose to not choose Him and let the chips fall where they may? And all these phrases and all these statements. The lens of the Spirit is our real reality. It is our real reality, and we know the verse: "Walk by faith, not by sight." We know that. But and it was interesting because Bryn actually brought this out in her in her faith blog about faith. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, right? And expecting different results. That is like the known, widely known definition of insanity. Well, that, as she puts it in her blog, is very true. It can also be the definition of faith. Because you're just believing, believing, and praying, and praying, and expecting, and expecting, and not seeing a whole lot of evidence. And pretty soon you start to feel a little bit crazy. These people are crazy. And then Satan fuels that sense and begins to introduce thoughts, proud arguments, high imaginations to come against the knowledge of God so that we're really perplexed. Because, see, if you don't have a spirit lens and you need verifiable evidence around you before you'll follow the Lord, you're going to really be in a pickle. Because the true worshipers of God, those who will grow in their sanctification, worship in spirit. Because God is a spirit. And in truth. And it's so dangerous to be in a place where we we have to have everything figured out. Um, I was sharing with the, um, the gift meeting yesterday morning the beautiful verses in um, the first letter, first, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 and, and really into 3. And one thing that I found that was interesting about that, that I, I want to point out, um, in 1 Corinthians, he, he right away, right out of the gate, he gets into the fact that, um, it's like, guess what guys, the gospel of Jesus, the fact that it requires faith, in verse 22 of chapter 1, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are, which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. He is the against all odds God, that's why. Yea, and the things which are not, to bring to not things that are. Why? So, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. He does things to get the glory. And all into chapter 2, it's about the faith. Uh, he says in, in chapter 2, verse 5, that your faith... We don't want the enticing words of man's wisdom, okay? Somebody that sounds smart and says that A plus B equals C, and isn't this great, and we all understand because we're all intellectuals and it's awesome. He's saying, no, we don't want man's wisdom, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, verse 5 of chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians, but in the power of God. And this chapter goes on to say that, it's only things that are spiritually discerned that are going to be known. 
So this is why there's a great falling away, taking, take, being taken, um, or being, happening right now. And I've noticed that the falling away is, is very sneaky and very deceptive. And it's, it was masterful. It was evil. It was allowed, but it was masterful for it to come through something like COVID, through, for it to come through uh, a scary disease that in the truth and reality that's even available and verifiable is not any more dangerous than the flu, but you just stoke it with fear and it doesn't matter. It could be, it could be that we have a rash of mosquito bites and we're all dying and if, if that's the narrative that everybody wants to believe stoked with fear, then we are just going to be, you know, I mean, we'll just be living with constant off being sprayed on us 24-7 and, you know, whatever, um, walking around in those nets, you know. Um, but it's, it's interesting and masterful that that was the way because, but what it did is it caused people to begin to lean on their own understanding. And I, I sign all my cards to people with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I, I receive that as like a heritage from my grandmother-in-law, Greg's grandmother, Eva, uh, Ruth's mother, and it was just always stood out to me when I first got, in, came into the family, and she would sign all the Christmas cards, everything. She signed everything with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But when I did a deep dive into that, I thought, oh, that's it. That's the, that's the point where people get lost, is they lean on their own understanding. And even though I've touted this verse so many times, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, because Paul just goes into so many different things. When, about the casting down imaginations and high things and that the strongholds are only removed and, and are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds through Jesus and Jesus alone. These things are so important so that we don't reason and lean on our own understanding. Here's an example. What is it that keeps you from doing what you know is right? Do you look at your circumstances and how you feel and then that's the decision with which you base you're not going to show up to something. You're going to skip your Bible reading today. You're going to not speak to the Lord. You're going to not do the prompting that he laid, he laid on your heart because, you know, you're feeling this, you're feeling that, you're seeing that, it's late, da-da-da-da-da. If you're leaning on your own understanding, you're going to continually miss the real reality of your existence. Because, of course, the enemy's going to throw something in your path. Of course, you're going to have the worst morning you could have of the entire week. On a Sunday morning, you're going to have the worst night. But are those considerations? Or is it, Lord, what do you want me to do? Sometimes, sometimes it's, you have had a rough night. And you can rest. You can go to sleep. Because I don't keep church attendance. But other times it's, I know you feel bad. But I have something for you in the body, assembling. Get your fanny there. And the breakthrough is waiting. Because guess what? Breakthrough is waiting where he is. Not where we circumstantially have a pathway that looks clear. And we've got to get this lens. We've got to get this lens. If we never decided that we, we were going to start Nigeria because we just, you know, well, let's just circle a globe and then just put our finger on it and stop. No. But it did feel very random when the Lord said, Nigeria is where you're going to begin. And how wonderful. We had no idea. Now, a person that needs to feel sane all the time would have just gone, crazy town, crazy thought, 
set it on a shelf forever, and just move on with, you know, building a church and reading some church building books. And let's come up with a corporate plan. Let's get a group of people that have been in church ministry for X number of years and have had deaconship experience, and they've been an usher, and they even took care of the money in the church one time. So I'm telling you, this is going to be a great group. They are going to guide us. We are going to build a church. We're going to do And it's like human, 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 human. Let's all just get the smart people. Do you know there just are no smart people? There just aren't. If, when you start having a spirit lens, everything of this realm is foolishness. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't bless people with intellectual abilities. He blesses people with many, many abilities. He blesses people with rock-hard strength. I've seen these Iron Man things, these you know, deadlift weightlifters, these amazing athletes at the, at the Olympics. Amazing strength, but compared to God? There's a bunch of weakling. Sorry. Dust. Gone. You're done. All that work for nothing. If that's what it's about. We've got to have kingdom eyes or we're going to miss it. The train is moving. The train is moving. And Jesus came right away to show the woman that the water you seek, the water that your human body needs, which I'm all for. All things are for your sake. First Corinthians, Corinthians 4 says, but not all things are expedient for you. They're not all, and that may not be the exact reference. I, I don't like getting addresses wrong, which, you know, you can always Google the phrase. Google is good for something, but they are coming down in Jesus' name. Anyway. Um, but he right away introduces, I want you to think differently. I want to show you your real reality. Because you're going from man to man to man to find your value, your worth. You're giving away your body. To find validation and to find love. And you're coming up thirsty over and over again. And now you're experiencing the rejection of society. So now your body is tired and worn out. And you are aging, girl, way before your time. Because that will take its toll. And I've got something better. And she just, all she did is go back to the religious stuff that she knows. And isn't that true? Isn't that what we do? But, but what about, isn't it true that, you know... These people worship this way, and these people worship this way. And I mean, if you really are a prophet, maybe you can give me some insight into this, you know, this religious dispute that I'm always hearing people bark about in the city. And he just cut right through it all and was like, that's all nonsense. It's all about me. It's an encounter with me. And when she had that encounter with Jesus, who sees her, the God that sees, which is where we find that part of his nature and character in the story of Hagar, when she ran from, from um, Sarah uh, because of, of the treatment and everything. And that was where we saw the, the, the Lord who sees. He saw her pain. And he, Jesus saw the pain because of the Father revealed it to him. He saw her pain. And that experience just changed her priorities. It'll change your life. It'll change your priorities. It'll change your routine. It will change everything. I mean, she became what people around her would have, would have said is even more reckless. Like, we thought she was nuts before. Now she's running back. Didn't even get her water. Something happened to this woman. She is crazy, and now she's talking about a prophet. And, but guess what? When she testified of her encounter, we overcome the lies and the resistance of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony testify. You don't have to have a good reputation for people to hear your testimony. She went in and people heard her testimony. They heard her testimony. 
she wasn't she had no voice couldn't even show up and appropriately be accepted at the right time at the well with the other women but when she spoke the holy spirit truth of what god did in her encounter god used it because he took those words and the people came and they wanted to see jesus for themselves and many believed on him because they were able to see for themselves who he was and the same thing happened with these people he challenged them right away you're looking for more works to do and i'm telling you what the work to do is is to believe not to start a new version of an online study not to do um some kind of special groups where now we'll put these awesome circles on the gym floor so that we're all nice and neat and tidy and masked and distanced and you know we have we have you know we'll even put lapel mics on everybody so it'll just feel like you're close even though you're not because we're going to completely comply with society and all these rules and we're going to feel really good about ourselves that we kept you from being sick that's a lie <laughs> i mean seriously jehovah rock with the lord our healer Amen. the power of life and death is in his hands he gives life and he gives wellness and as was pointed out very well in class um we will trust what the doctors and scientists say and yet not look at as believers and not consider first what the lord is saying if the lord see it, when you walk by faith and not by sight which by the way is walking by faith it's it's like redundancy there okay walk by faith but it doesn't say walk by faith not by sin It's it's not like a, if I'm not walking in faith I'm in sin and that's where some of us compartmentalize it if I'm not in all these evil works if I'm not you know living like a like a prostitute or living like a you know this and that 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 I'm you know that I'm, I'm that I'm fine because I, you know I, I'm that's that's close enough to faith to live moral no it's not to live by anything your human eyes see that's the lens when you do that you'll notice it begins to change everything. If Jeremiah 29:11 is true for all of us that God has a good plan for you, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, for a hope, a purpose, a calling for your life. How will you ever discern what that is if you're leaning on your own understanding? The greatest stories in all of history of how God used people often did not match their natural skill sets. When you only look and with human reasoning determine that oh yeah I'm pretty good at this oh I think I'll do that. It's not that God doesn't honor the desires of your heart, but many of us if you're like me, I mean I had desires that I had desires and I remember pursuing things one would blow your mind if you even heard oh wow. Anyway, I had a pursuit of something one time to make money. It was so lost on me how absolutely crazy it was and how naive and how much I was deceived. Joan you Jay, it's pretty nuts. Nice. When I was 18 years old, um, my parents were putting a lot of pressure on me to make money. And uh, I was of course a fitness trainer, but that wasn't enough income to really, you know, get on my feet. And I saw an ad It's hard for me to say cuz it just shows you the level of deception. And that's why I love that verse, wherefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. So I see this ad and it was oh the ad I'm sorry, it was not an ad. It was an article about how well off you can be becoming a mistress. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> okay, I did not know she was going there. Oh wow. 
Um, and I mean, it was crazy that God, just in his mercy, just began to, I don't know what's happening there. God in his mercy uh, shut doors so fast and woke me up. And so I was really, really um, thrilled with that thought. Quickly. Oh, okay. All right. We will be fine. See? No fear. We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Um, but, but that deception to think that that would happen and that there wouldn't be danger. And, and I was not seeking any kind of evil. I was not you know, living a pers- you know, promiscuous life by any stretch. I just, the way that the article explained it is just that you're a companion and, you know, you just happen to get a whole bunch of you know, thousands of dollars, lots of jewelry and a car and maybe fly around on a jet places. And I just thought, okay, that sounds appealing. Like, what do we, you know, where do we get ourselves into? You know, when you're left to yourself, you will dig a pit. And some of us have lived long enough to have dug some, some pits, right? And praise God that in his mercy, he doesn't give us, but, but the thing is, is sometimes that willfulness to just prompting, prompting, door slam, door slam, and we're just bulldozing through it. We're like, God, yeah, thanks for the warning. I, I just, I don't know. I just want, I just want Ask God. When, when I got the revelation of Psalm 37, 4, but about delighting in the Lord, I'll give you the desires of your heart. I remember saying, Lord, what are these desires? Like, I've always desired to be healthy. But I remember there were just things that I was consuming that I knew weren't bad. I mean, most smokers that I knew growing up, growing up, one of my neighbor was a heavy smoker. She just literally, she, she as soon as she was conscious from her sleep, she'd light a cigarette. She didn't want to be unhealthy. She was just a beautiful young woman. But it was a compulsion that she had no control over. And sometimes what we desire, we we think, because of the, all the evidence of the enemy put in front of us, we think that the fulfillment of that desire is here. When God says, no, 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 it's here. I put a void in you. I put a desire in you to be loved. Whoever told you that you would feel loved sleeping with people at nightclubs every weekend who abandon you, who abuse you, who reject you. Some people actually get a euphoric high in the rejection because they it's a fulfillment of what they actually think they deserve. It's like, I'm going to go after this because when I'm rejected, oh, I'll get what I know I deserve. And it's not super conscious, but it's subliminal. And the enemy loves it. He sees the deception that comes upon people. And so he is out to fulfill desires of your heart that if they are not surrendered, if you don't have a spirit lens, then you will think, and you'll even be deceived into thinking that, but God, you know, you said, I mean, the desires of my heart, you said you're going to fulfill these desires. And some of our desires are even in ministry, even in good things. I want to help the poor. I want to help the needy. I want to, you know, be a nurse in a foreign country. That, that sometimes can be the ultimate deception. Because he knows that he can't tempt all of us with direct evil. He knows that if, if we have a, a, a foundation of a strong moral compass, then he'll have to deceive us a little bit more. It'll be just like, oh, I'm fine. Especially now that, uh, that Casey actually brought out in, in class that when we were talking, that people are justifying forsaking the assembly together, even the churches that have reopened, because there's an online option. But guess what? With the online option, do they sit? Stop everything, focus, open their Bible, and receive the word? Is there a hunger? Because easy options don't always mean that it's easy. In fact, sometimes easy options mean that it's 
super, super hard because easy options come with even more easy excuses to avoid that option because it's deception. And that is why, and I've seen it in Ignition, that is why we so often come together in crisis. Oh, may it not take crisis every time for us to say, okay, wow, somebody needs prayer. I've got to shut this down. I've got to focus. It ought to be just a hunger from the, for the presence of the Lord. Oh man, I gotta shut this down. I, I gotta come together. We gotta come together. And there seems to be this resistance in the body of Christ today to allow the Holy Spirit to take over. And that's what Jesus wanted to let the woman at the well know. That's what he wanted to tell these people. You guys keep following me because you, you're, you love the power. You love, where did this bread and fish come from? Oh my goodness. I mean, it said my family and then some. And the cool thing about the story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus is that they were filled. I mean, they had baskets left over. There was such a, there was a sense of fullness. It wasn't like a, you know, we ate, we're good, but this is a really good miracle. Get that, get that. Tommy, go get that. Get those, you know, let's bring that home, man. We're still hungry. No, they were just filled. They, they left what was there. That's why the disciples scooped it back up. They were completely and totally satisfied. That is a miracle. And the people wanted the power. They wanted the miracles. Nobody, nobody disputes that. But when it came right down to what did it look like for my life? See, he came in and disrupted. He showed them power, but then now he needed to break that old lens of religion. They basically wanted to extract from Jesus this prophet, this amazing teacher, and go, so what do we need to do so that we can wrap this up in a nice box and take it home so we can keep on going to the temple and learning the way we're learning and just have it be a little more fun? And he's like, no, the works for you are to believe. Lift your eyes and believe on the one who is the source, not on the human works that make you feel good about bringing your family up, make you feel good about uh, a fulfillment of do-goodism in your life. God's desire that, like that in us is to serve him. It's not a bad thing. He wants us to do things. He wants, us to, he wants to send this army out and do the works of the Lord, but not for the work's sake, for his glory. He just wants us to be a vessel. And so I want to give you, um, the Lord gave me this, uh, this example, and uh, I'm going to give you an object lesson to drive home this point. And so I'm going to move this just over a little bit. And maybe um, it's going to get me my three parts, and I'm going to take this cord here. This was something that the Lord showed me. Sometimes points are driven home better with a picture, and so I'm going to drive home a point with a picture today. We have this blender, which is a blender um, like on steroids. If you know anything about the Nutribullet, it's pretty good. It's not like your typical old blender. I think the blender I had growing up, there was constant chunks at the bottom of whatever I blended. So many of you um, have perhaps had and perhaps enjoy smoothies, right? And... Um, we, oh, and in the refrigerator, um, Nathan also grabbed the two. There's two little, uh, little yogurts. He would grab that. So smoothies are very interesting. We have all these pieces. And I want you to look at each piece is a person in the body of Christ. 
each piece is a person in the body of Christ. Okay, you've got the you got the smooth milk. It's just gonna go in. It's like, yeah, I'm chilling. It's fine. I'm going in. Just, you know, I go with the flow. I move. I move. I live. I have my being. It's all cool. It's good. I all. And then and then you've got um, you've got the the banana that uh, to make it a little bit creamier is frozen. So the banana was willing was willing was willing to shed and peel its skin. And was willing to be frozen. Oh goodness, what a picture of the church today. No, no. <laughs> to be frozen. And so it's like, I am ready, man. I am so ready. I am I am willing to do this to be put into this smoothie because that's just that's my willing part. That's my willing part. Oh man, they jumped in. So, and then then you of course have some strawberries, also willing. And they're like, have you seen my intricate design? Like, I've got little tiny seeds. I am beautiful. I am, I am willing to go through all of this. I hope you appreciate me. I am going to go in there. And I am very special. I'm beautiful and I'm, I'm very detailed. Don't mess with me too much because I am extremely detailed. I am loaded with seeds that are all symmetrical. That's how I work. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the yogurt that, again, creamy, smooth, willing to go, but a little resistant because it's thicker, right? So we get this in there, and we're just going to... Okay. Little resistance. doesn't really want to come out. It's like, okay, fine. You squeeze me, and I'll do it. But, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got your protein, the powder. The one that's a little bit, um, you know, it's, it's good. But I, I tell you what, there's some, there could be some issues there. Because, uh, so you've got this, and it's very high. Now, so, this wouldn't quite be ready to drink, would it? In fact... If, if you said, well, that's wonderful, that is a, that's like, it's not really a smoothie. I mean, it's like, it's like the opportunity for a smoothie. It's like the beginning ingredients of a, what could become a smoothie. But if I drink it now, I'm likely to choke on the powder, because it, I'll, I'll probably breathe as I'm taking a sip. Have you ever done that with like cinnamon or something? I'm telling you, it takes a while. It's like, the Holy Spirit needs to come and deliver you, because it's, it's rough. <laughs> This is so. So it's like all these things are together, but it's it's very disjointed. There's chunks in there. There's things going on that are not blended. This is really the church today. I'm willing. I have a willing heart. I am willing to get in. I'm willing to even change some things before I get in. I'm willing to be squeezed. Look at me. I'm a mess. You know, like I'm willing. But when I get in here, oh please don't turn that blender on. Because when you turn that blender on. Everything's about to change. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on us. Everything changes when you turn on the blender. Something happens and everything that's in there has to make the decision to let, this is going to represent the motor here, it's going to represent the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit takes over, you don't just have modification Behavior modification, I'm willing, I'm willing of my will to jump in. You have a metamorphosis, you have a complete change. What happens here? Now, now you have a smoothie. Now you have, hopefully I can open it back up. My hands are a little bit wet. You can do it. You can do it. Hold on, it's just slippery. There we go, I got it. So, now you have something that looks unified. It is creamy. It is lovely. Somebody get a straw. I think it's right behind you, Josh. Right in that angled, that angled, uh, that angled cover there. 
Now you have something. You don't know what's in here in an individuality, but when you taste of it, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste of it, you're going to know there's a banana in here. There's some chocolate in here. There's strawberries in here. There's, ooh, there's some creamy yogurt in here. I can taste it. But when I see it, I just see smoothie. How did it all get made this way? It was brought together and blended by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Can you imagine? I want you to think for just a second. And somebody's going to get the pleasure of drinking this if you want to. Think about for a moment. Okay, be, okay, just like the, the cartoon character things that come to life. Be the ingredients for a minute. Imagine you're in here. You're in the blender. Like it's like a ride at a fair. And you're like, okay, the blender goes on. And, and it's like... It's difficult in here. It's like, this is difficult. Things are changing. Things are changing. There's a force happening. There's things around me. I mean, everything's going really, really fast, and we're all changing. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. That's how people respond to the Holy Spirit. They think that something is wrong, but if they just go with it, when they're done, they have a finished product that only this can bring. You cannot get a smoothie by just dropping things in and deciding to be part. The Holy Spirit has to be the transformation piece. And people get so freaked out by how the Spirit of God moves and that it doesn't just look like something I can control. I was willing to go as far as freezing myself. I was willing to make some modifications. Okay, I was willing to, to, to get in and to do it, but I couldn't let the Holy Spirit do it. And God's just saying, Jesus is and in these, these stories, He's saying, you know what? The true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Because that's where you find change. That's where you find transformation. That's where you find unity. And right now, right now, the ready bride, first of all, is being realized to get in. And then when the Holy Spirit falls, he will bring the most amazing smoothie. It will be like something you've never seen before. Before they had blenders, Way before our time. You know, to try to get something of this consistency that's thick, it's like, oh, do I spoon it? Do I suck it out of a straw? I don't even know. So many, so many wonderful decisions to make. It's like, you know, these were things that they could maybe get through crushing, but there are ways now that they can, they can blend it. This is, you know, this is something that God is wanting us to see that is available only through him. And if we just open our eyes and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to, let you do it. I'm going to see through your lens with what you want me to do. I'm going to see through your lens with what you don't want me to do. And I'm going to consider you when I begin to have desires and try to begin to have feelings of going after and pursuing them. And I want to, I want to leave you scripturally with um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because the one thing that's in here, remember, this is, this is the after about the, um, the portion of the scripture that is that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men in chapter 2. But the reason why they stayed immature in the first three, and I'll paraphrase these first three verses, part of the reason that Paul couldn't, because there was division in the church right at the beginning of the letter, he said, but the reason why they couldn't grow and mature and weren't able to see is because they were still carnal. There was still a carnality. There was still a human lens they were looking through. And and Paul, right out of the gate in his letter, is like, look, the divisions among you 
can only be resolved by spiritual discernment, by a spiritual lens, a willingness to not lean on your own understanding, but to, through my word, okay, the truth, and I'm not just saying, you know, this, this argument in the bride about he speaks through his word. Of course he speaks through his word. But when you get these epiphanies, I mean, I heard the voice of God while reading the word. And he's the one that highlighted and she left her water pot. What do you think that epiphany is? Just some intellect turn on in a section of my brain? No. It was the Holy Spirit saying, do you see that? Do you see that? <clears throat> Speaking through his word is, is the agreement of his character and nature. It's very naive to think that you're going to have a verse for every single act that you have. And, and one point of naivety is, especially in these difficult times, that the church, underground church in China is growing, but yet the fierce communistic rule is so oppressive now. I mean, people are being tortured in ways that we are just, it's so lost on us how much liberties we have. Does that mean that if a person accepts Jesus and just with their whole heart and soul, they want God with everything in them, and then they're put in prison and persecuted, that because they can't read their Bible for however long they're in prison, that God's not speaking to them? No. No. God is speaking to them. When you seek me, you will find me. And, and another point that was brought out in the, in the women's uh, groups this morning is that he's responsible. He will. We seek him. We give him our agreement. But he will keep that which we've committed. He is responsible. You see that in the Gospel of John. I always quote 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1.12. He's responsible to keep the desire and the yes that I've given to him unto him against that day. You don't have to strive and work and block and be careful and reject and separate yourself from this camp and that camp to be safe from deception. If God leads you to separate yourself because of heresy, he will tell you. But when you do it of your own understanding because something happening, especially when you're in the blender of the Holy Spirit, I've never seen it that way. It's all just going so fast. That's not how I grew up. I grew up where you just, you know, the banana just sits next to the strawberry in the milk with the yogurt. We just all kind of hang out, you know, and, and whatever. You know, one day, one day in heaven it'll be a smoothie. But no, I have not seen or ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Here, by the way, not just in heaven. Prepared for us because the moment we accept Jesus, our eternity of our new nature begins. And so, I want to just challenge you again. We know this, we know this, we know this, but we need a refresher course. What is the cost of not letting God completely renew and transform your mind in following him? Many of us desire that, but ask God today to show you where am I justifying, leaning on my own understanding, thinking that I can serve God and mammon, money, any kind of self-sufficiency, thinking that you don't see this part of my life that I know doesn't please you, but because I know about your grace, you're okay with, you know, thinking that I'll never be out from these burdens, thinking that you don't love me, you know, these are things we're never going to be free if we don't just ask God to open our eyes to see where we're broken and um, where we're missing it, where we're justifying, where we're just leaning. Because if you're leaning on anything other than the everlasting arms that hold him, then you're going to miss it. And it's not about 
uh, a direct, you're, gonna, you're in sin, you're out of sin. It's God has a purpose and a plan, and you will miss it. You will miss it if you don't let him speak to you and come to him. And the reason why a little child comes to him is because a little child represents, I don't know anything. Mommy, where's, where's the sun come from? Where does, you know, what's, does it, is it true that, you know, that rainbows are made out of candy? You know, like, things that, but if we don't, if we come to him not like a child, then we're going to come to him, Father, I come to you with my knowledge of the Bible, and I ask that you be in agreement with me. <laughs> like, seriously? You know, we don't even know, we don't even recognize the pride and the arrogance in that. And I'm not saying that the truth isn't truth. Truth is truth. It is absolute truth. We stand firm upon it. But when you come to him, empty yourself out and then say, God, show me your truth. I pray that all the time. Open thou my eyes, my spiritual eyes, that I might behold. There are wondrous things in my law, but that I might behold them. Because if I actually think that I've already got it figured out, you can't teach anybody who thinks they got it figured out. Let me tell you what. That's what a lot of teenagers are known for. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm going to do with my life. You can't tell anybody somebody's got it figured out. And that is rampant through the bride. I'm fine. I'm fine. And that's why Jesus is about to turn on the spin cycle, the, the blender on high, and he's going to blend those that are, are his. And I'll tell you what, hopefully... Um, Hopefully everybody will even just get in the blender because um, he's going to do great and mighty things. And uh, if anybody wants to enjoy, we can even separate it into small cups. You're welcome. <laughs> smoothie. And um, we're going to close right now. Father God, we love you, God. Oh, God, we need you. We need you so desperately. God, we don't want to think through our human lens. We don't want to find ourselves justifying ourselves onto a path of distance from you because we had to deal with this circumstance. We weren't feeling this. We weren't, you know, feeling that. Or we're, we need emotional time to deal with this. And, and suddenly all these deceptions, now we're, we're void of hearing your voice because we came with the water pot and all we were interested in was that we just fill up our pot and get on our way. God, you want to show us living water. You want to show us the water that will make us never thirst again. Oh God, all things are for our sakes. You've given us human helps, but if not directed by you, they will fall short every time. Every time. God, you are the source. You are the source of everything. You even make food. We eat taste better. God, let us, let us include you in every part of our lives so that we can be filled let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us not be snobby and, and self-focused and narcissistic to where I just don't even want to taste that. I just I'm not. I don't know. I, I know. It, I know. I don't know if it's not good, but I just I'm not interested because I'm sure it won't be. Oh God, let us step in faith and taste and see because you are good. Everything you're doing is good. God, you have a great work for us to do. These are perilous days. And as we fix our minds on you, God, you will give us exactly what we need. And Father, I lastly ask that we, as warriors in a huge spiritual battle, that we not 
just live in reaction to the enemy as much as in response to you, Father. Because the response to you, Lord God, will be the reaction to the enemy. We will take ground. We will have enforcement. We will trample and tread on snakes and scorpions. The lion and the adder, the young lion, all of it that tries to come against itself and exalt itself against you, Almighty God. We will do these things in the mighty name of Jesus. But let us respond to you, lest we ever be in error, lest we ever go astray trying to fight a battle you have not assigned to us. God, we want nothing more than to hear your voice in this beautiful fellowship, to know both how to grow in you, to find out more of who we are, who you are, and what our assignment is. To live by faith, God. The work you said for us to do is to believe. God, let us believe on you today. Trust in, adhere to, rely upon. We love you so much, God. May you be exalted today. In the name of Jesus, amen.